0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, it's not rocket science, but it might be even harder. Why Elon Musk may find that running Twitter is his biggest challenge yet. About four years ago, I was in Thailand reporting on the extraordinary mission to save 12 children stuck in a cave.
0: Breaking news, a big development on the situation in Thailand. A rescue mission, dangerous and desperate to reach a group of boys and their soccer coach who are trapped deep in a cave could be underway.
1: It was this amazing story of how ordinary people can be heroes, how the whole world can rally to do something unambiguously good. And then the billionaire Elon Musk arrived. He came in the middle of the night on a private jet and delivered a submarine he'd invented to much acclaim on his Twitter account. A submarine that divers said had no chance of navigating the cave system and rescuing the boys. Musk didn't stay long. He posed for some pictures and left. And shortly after used his Twitter account to call one of the British cave divers, one of the men who had actually saved the kids, a pedo guy. Elon Musk arrives at court in Los Angeles, the
0: entrepreneur due to face the British diving specialist he accused of being a paedophile.
1: He was sued for defamation and won the case. The jury decided Musk wasn't trying to defame the diver, just insult him. And in the US, insults are protected as free speech. We are following breaking news. The deal is done. Twitter has been sold to Elon Musk. The Tesla and SpaceX CEO... This week, it was announced that that same man, Elon Musk, had secured funding to purchase Twitter and that he intended to make his vision of free speech reign supreme on the platform. Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. It's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. But is the world's richest man about to realise that loosening up Twitter's rules about what you can and can't say is more costly than he thinks? From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, will Elon Musk regret buying Twitter? Alex Hearn, you're The Guardian's UK technology editor, and we've been hearing for a few weeks now that Elon Musk has bought first shares in Twitter, then he wanted to buy the whole thing, then Twitter was trying to stop him acquiring the company, and now this week that the deal is done. So, tell me about that deal.
0: Uh, so, Musk has entered in a cash acquisition deal to buy Twitter for f- around $43 billion. It's a massive acquisition. Like, it's easy to look at Twitter as a comparatively small company. You know, when you look at Facebook and Google being worth over a trillion, forty, forty-three, forty-four billion dollars is is small change. But when you compare this to Instagram was bought for one billion dollars, WhatsApp for thirteen, and those were acquisitions by major companies. This is a this is a personal transaction, the world's richest man spending forty billion US dollars to buy a social network basically, it seems, as a hobby. Uh, to, to to buy something because he's an avid user of it on a personal level and wants, wants a say in how it's run.
1: Okay, and the deal isn't quite done, right? I mean, what still needs to happen before Musk gets to sit in the CEO's chair?
0: Quite a lot. It, it could take like six months or more for all of this to happen. Musk's got funding secured, but he doesn't hold the cash. Musk needs to liquidate up to $21 billion of Tesla shares. The rest of it, though, is loans, and those loans are more complicated. About $12 of those loans are secured on Twitter itself. That's uh, that weird thing that's surprisingly common in buyouts, where you borrow money using the company you're buying to buy the company. In this case, the uh, the premium on Twitter sort of requires the company to up its profitability by around 20% going forward. That's quite a constraint on Musk's ability to do whatever he wants with Twitter. If it doesn't make enough profit, if it doesn't pay the interest on the loans secured against it, it ends up with the banks owning Twitter, not Musk.
1: Okay, I see a few potential problems here, including that Tesla's stock has plummeted since this deal was announced as well as Musk himself, who has spent the past week seemingly criticising Twitter employees on Twitter, which potentially breaches a no-insult pact in the fine print of the deal. But what about the wider reaction to all this, on Twitter and offline?
0: The, The reaction was broadly split. I think Elon Musk's buying Twitter is, without exaggeration, the most important development for free speech in decades. So apoplectic today, the left is going crazy, and as you point out, they're going crazy over an electric car maker who supports free speech. Conservatives' right-wingers were celebrating, and left-wingers were, perhaps despairing's not quite the right word, but but cringing. He now owns SpaceX and Twitter. It's like Musk is thinking, I've seen the heavens, now on to hell. The, the, the reaction was basically split over whether or not you think Musk's high profile top line desire to increase the levels of free speech on Twitter, whether you think that is a, a crucial, valid change that the site needs or something which lies on a spectrum from inane, impossible promise to actively dangerous goal.
1: Okay, so there's clearly a bigger free speech debate being had here. But first, tell me about Twitter, the business. Like, does it make any money? And if so, how?
0: Twitter is weird. It's a very odd business because Twitter, the website, Twitter, the community, moves markets. It shifts culture. It makes and breaks political careers. Twitter, the company, is a not even mid-sized, small tech firm with about 7,000 employees, an engineering team that is, I mean, it's cruel, but is like a laughingstock amongst its peers and a wildly underperforming ad business, which is nonetheless the vast majority of the company's revenue. And that's, that's how it's ended up as a company where a $44 billion acquisition offer is a vast premium to where it's trading now, because... You know, Wall Street does not look at Twitter and think, yep, this is going to make an awful lot of money in the future. Wall Street looks at Twitter and thinks this is a basket case.
1: Hmm. Okay. And Elon Musk is a businessman. He wants to. In fact, he needs to make money. And from what you've described, this decision to buy Twitter does not sound like a savvy business move, just in terms of the money. So why is he doing it?
0: I think the lens through which we can look at it is like, this is akin to a businessman buying a sports team. Instead, he bought Twitter because Twitter is where he spends his time. Twitter is his hobby. You know, Musk, Musk is one of the few people in the world who has a more self-destructive relationship to this site than I do. He spends an awful lot of time on it. He has been subject to multiple lawsuits for things he's tweeted. He has lost lawsuits over things he tweeted. He has a legal requirement to have a Tesla lawyer review everything he tweets. Some billionaires go out and buy a yacht and relax on the sea. Some billionaires go out and buy a sports team and plow money in it so that they can buy their favourite players. Musk buys Twitter. And then, you know, clearly has an intention to walk into a board meeting one day and go, stop banning accounts and also add an edit button. God,
1: it's their world and we're just living in it. A big criticism of Twitter is that it's an echo chamber. You know, it's a lot of journalists just talking to other journalists. So much so that earlier this month, the editor of the New York Times issued a new policy asking the paper's journalists to actually spend less time on the platform. But in terms of just sheer mass of users, it absolutely pales in comparison to something like Instagram or Facebook. So
0: if you're not on Twitter, why does any of this matter? Right. I think... Like, one really plausible answer is it doesn't. And actually, Twitter is an addiction, a habit, a source of brain worms amongst a small portion of the world who all use it habitually and should probably be ignored. Um, that is a completely reasonable position to take. At the same time, the the small portion of the world who uses Twitter is disproportionately reflected amongst particularly the anglophonic world's journalists amongst politicians in America, Australia and the UK, just just to take the political influence alone, right? Um, I mean, Jess Elgert, the Guardian's chief political correspondent, told me that the majority of MPs, apart from the ones who literally don't know how it works, spend a mind-boggling amount of time on Twitter. It comes up so often in conversations and from the press gallery, you can tell huge numbers are scrolling through it as they watch debates. This is basically the way most of Britain's political class consume the news now. They might be a minority in, like, numbers of the population. Most Brits do not use Twitter, let alone consume the majority of their news on Twitter. But if MPs and political journalists do, then that means that what happens on Twitter affects the laws of this country. And what happens on Twitter is going to be under the sole purview of one E. Musk multi-billionaire richest man in the world.
1: And Alex, Musk has said that he thinks this platform is not living up to its potential. What does he mean by that? What is it not doing that he thinks it can be doing?
0: So that's, I mean, that was a very canny piece of uh, phrasing because it has a dual meaning in there, right? One one version of that is that Musk is speaking to his backers and he's saying, Twitter could be making more money than it is right now. But the dual meaning is hinted at by, by Musk's other statements about Twitter being a, a town square, Twitter being important for the future of humanity. Are you sincerely trying to save the world? I, well, I'm trying to do good things, yeah. I mean, but you're trying to do good things and you're a billionaire.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. that seems a little bit like either superhero or super villain. You have to choose one. Trying to do useful things. But, I mean, uh huh. Yeah.
0: And I think he might be sincere about this. He's certainly the sort of um, nerd, and I, you know, I say that in the same way that I am the sort of nerd who has read science fiction and thought about how humanity can collaboratively debate and discuss difficult questions. Musk wants to colonize Mars. Musk wants to fight climate change. Musk wants to make a lot of money doing both of those things, but he's pretty loud about being in favor of those foundational goals
1: i'd first like to share with you my vision for the future i believe in a renewable energy future i believe that humanity must become a multi-planetary space-bearing civilization those seem like exciting goals don't they
0: and i think he does look at twitter and think well if there is a way for the entirety of humanity to debate and come to an agreement about how we should fight climate change, maybe it looks like a platform like Twitter, but a platform like Twitter run better. I think after that is where Musk and I diverge. I do not look at Twitter and think, and the thing that's holding back its ability to be an enlightened town square for humanity is the fact that it blocks people for hurling abuse at trans people, and I think Musk does think that, uh, and. You know, that's why I am less optimistic that his purchase will unlock the potential.
1: I mean, Alex, you're talking to me about a guy who a court says has to have lawyers read his tweets before he publishes them. Is there any chance that this takeover is motivated in some way by his own personal troubles? Like, can you tell me a little bit about his relationship with Twitter up to now?
0: The, the two most n- notorious, like, lawsuits Musk has faced over Twitter. One was in 2017 that you referred to earlier. Him calling Chris Unsworth pedo guy when he rebuked Musk's offer to send a submarine to rescue the, the football team. And then in 2018, when he tweeted that he was thinking of taking Tesla private at $420 a share and that he had funding secured, uh, which, well, which the SEC later decided was false. And then there's the fact that Musk has you know spent most of 2020 and much of 2021 being a uh covid skeptic let's say called the coronavirus panic dumb in march 2020 this was at a time when twitter was and still is applying policies against covid misinformation so it's not hard to see how elon musk looked at twitter's policies and actually went like at this point this site is threatening to ban me for what i'm saying uh, for what i believe one important undercurrent of all of this as well is that uh Tesla has no PR department and expressly said when it did so that Elon Musk's Twitter feed was the main point of a call for journalists. And that was novel at the time, but it did leave like a now trillion dollar company relying on a 40 billion dollar company to let its CEO carry on tweeting as its main comm strategy, just as a sort of corporate synergy point of view. Acquiring Twitter at that point probably makes sense purely so that Tesla can carry on communicating with the public.
1: You tweet a lot. I, I use my tweets to express myself.
0: <laughs> well, but you use your tweeting to, to kind of get back at critics.
1: You Rarely. Have, you
0: kind of have little wars with the press.
1: Twitter is a war zone. If somebody's going to jump in the war zone, it's like, OK, you're in the arena. Let's go. So, Alex, what you're saying here is that Elon Musk isn't just, and I'll use a technical term, a shitposter. He's also using Twitter as a business strategy, as a way to move markets.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say also they're not two things. Shitposting is the business strategy. Elon Musk is the nerd's nerd. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world with 80 million followers on Twitter and he tweets like someone who visits Reddit every day, chuckles at the basic memes on them and then reposts them to his pals. I mean, you know, to... Get a sense of Musk the man. This is a guy who faced an SEC lawsuit for saying that he'd secured funding to take Tesla private at $420 a share, $420 being like a, a weed joke. And then in his apparently successful offer to buy Twitter, repeated the same weed joke. The amount he offered for the company is $54.20 a share. There's that 420 number again. With so much about Musk, that is both sincere and calculated. I think you know, he finds those basic memes funny, but he's also definitely aware that his public image is of someone who gets the nerd humor, man. He's not a, a stuffy corporate suit. He's one of the engineers. He's one of the guys laughing over hacker humor. And that is what lies behind certainly the valuation of Tesla and under Musk, probably of Twitter.
1: Okay. So this guy, one of the guys, a hacker, an engineer, how does he propose to actually change Twitter to make it, quote, live up to its potential as he sees it? Let's start with the technical changes that we think he might make.
0: So I think there's an important proviso to to all of the changes Musk makes, which is that he already runs four companies. He is at best, at absolute best, going to be a part-time CEO here. Someone who wanders into the office a couple of days a month, Points at things and goes. That's good. That's bad. Do more of that. Do less of that. So we can what what we can say about his his approach to the Twitter product is he's got a few top line ideas that he will probably force through. He's been talking about these publicly. He supports the idea of Twitter having an edit button so that after you send a tweet, you can change its contents. He's proposed that. People who subscribe to Twitter uh, using its Twitter Blue service, which is currently three dollars a month, that they shouldn't see adverts because adverts gives corporate powers the ability to demand changes from Twitter, which he thinks is unhealthy. He's proposed that all humans should be authenticated. That's a more controversial one. What he's suggesting is that something like Twitter's verification label, the, the blue tick should be available to anyone who wants to send in their ID and prove that the name they tweet under is their real name. Those are high level changes. Those are things that you can look at the outside point and go, I want to do that. And I don't think we should expect Musk to make product changes beyond that, because I don't think we should expect Musk to invest the time running Twitter that would be required to work out more granular changes.
1: Okay, so those are the technical changes, nothing too controversial, but let's get into the stuff that is. Musk has been talking a lot about these bigger free speech questions. How does he view free speech? I mean, in Elon Musk's world, what does it look like?
0: So, helpfully, Musk Musk has been tweeting about this, of course. Um, and before we recorded this, he tweeted that by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Furthermore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. You know that, That's what Musk thinks free speech is. Musk thinks free speech is, is all speech that is not illegal. Hmm. But the thing is, even if you hold that uh, extremely strict view of free speech... It's still an odd thing to hold for a social network because Twitter actually exists in multiple countries at once. Twitter is available all across the world. It is a website, not an American, you know, retail establishment. There is no such thing as the law of free speech on Twitter.
1: Alex, you've given me a quote. I'm going to give you one back. And this Mm -hmm. is from the EU's commissioner for the internal market, Thierry Breton. He says we welcome everyone, but on our conditions. He says, Elon, there are rules. You are welcome, but these are our rules. It's not your rules which will apply here. Do you think Musk understands that in order to function legally in a place like the EU, Twitter has to comply with certain regulations? It can't have the kind of untrammeled free speech that he seems to think he can have on the platform.
0: I think he understands that the EU will want that. But Musk has shown time and again that if you break a rule and aren't afraid of the penalties often nothing happens an awful lot of musk's successes uh, have involved sort of taking government support when there is support and ignoring government opposition when there's opposition and staring them dead in the eye and going but what are you going to do about it and i kind of think that's probably going to be the response that he holds to the eu
1: Alex, Musk is obviously really concerned with the ability of these platforms to shut down free speech. But aren't there actually many ways that people's speech is threatened? Like, I'm thinking about abuse, rape threats, bullying, all these horrible things that end up pressuring people into silence, into leaving these platforms. How does that fit into his vision of free speech?
0: The glib answer is I don't think it does. I don't think Musk has thought about that. I don't think Musk has sat down and thought about the extent to which efficient, smart, fair content moderation is a pro-speech activity, not a restriction on speech. I think that the, the more difficult point is kind of what does a platform look like when there is a small group of people who are very happily saying awful things to each other because that describes at the one end sites like 4chan, which are notorious for then spilling out and causing unpleasantness across the rest of the internet. That describes closed Facebook groups of extremists who will happily ramp each other up until they end up causing like physical violence elsewhere in the world. I don't know if Elon Musk thinks that those sort of problems are large enough to counteract the fact that he thinks that um, it should be possible to rationally debate hot-button topics on the internet and that uh, you shouldn't ban people for saying things simply because they're harmful if they are legal. I I think that's sort of a foundational point of view that he and many others have on the internet. And I kind of just don't think that he will ever buy onto the view that... um, strong platform moderation is a pro-speech rather than an anti-speech move.
1: Hmm. You also said to me earlier that he has to make something like 20% profit a year on Twitter in order to keep hold of it. Is that likely to be a break on his vision of free speech? I mean, Twitter at the moment is a pretty unpleasant place to be most of Mm. the time. If he succeeds in his vision, you may end up with more abuse, more bullying, if that begins to eat into the profit margin will that also potentially mean he rolls back
0: i think this is this is the biggest constraint on his ability to achieve his goals absolutely um people use social networks when they're pleasant to use and people leave them when they're unpleasant and that like that's why platform moderation on the internet began anytime you try and invent an unmoderated platform you will inherently begin inventing moderation because there will be things that you need to delete Lest your users leave, and at the very margin, of course, you you can build a, a site that does only moderation for actively illegal content, and then you're running 8chan, and congratulations, like you've you've birthed QAnon and domestic terror. Um, I I think those are those are going to be constraints on Twitter, but also just I don't I don't know where Musk thinks a twenty percent profit increase is going to come from on Twitter. Um, I think like. The only real hope he has of getting an uplift that big and keeping it that way is with kind of a real top-down root and branch rehaul of how this infamously poorly managed company actually works. And it might be that doing that takes up all the time that he would have spent promoting his um, absolutist free speech view, and they just kind of never really gets around to doing much more than marching in on day one and going give Donald Trump back his account and remove the COVID misinformation policies. Thank you. Now I'm going to go and talk to the engineering team.
1: I've been resisting asking you that question, but, but is there any chance of that? Could Donald Trump be back on Twitter?
0: Trump says he doesn't want to come. Um, he launched his own private social network called Truth Social. Musk hasn't actually said anything about reinstating Trump, but I think reinstating Trump would be a pretty obvious way of him doing what he says he intends to do. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump turned it down because I think it would only ever look like he was slinking back after being given a pardon and that's not the kind of thing a very proud man like him would want to do.
1: Coming up, can a billionaire businessman really be the savior of free speech? Alex, we've been talking about this in terms of left-wing and right-wing, mm-hmm. you know, definitions of free speech, but I want to think about it in another way, about billionaires and the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Should we be concerned that these hugely important organs of public debate, whether they're newspapers or Twitter, can be bought up by billionaires who are buying them, not because they're good businesses, but precisely because they have so much power to shape the discussion?
0: Yeah, I think we should. I think it's a very obvious flaw with the internet as it exists today is that power is so heavily concentrated in the hands of so few people. It's hard to know how we'll come out the other side of this. Press regulations exist in most countries nowadays. You know, the UK has actually some quite strict rules on uh, on ownership, of say tv channels it has broadcasting licenses it has a requirement for various sorts of um impartiality in speech on various sorts of media organizations i think we will come to get some of the same of that for social networks for internet companies for for social media for the same reasons it is it is alarming how little oversight is even like mooted for a sale of something that is as politically, culturally and socially important as Twitter. Um, The EU says that Musk must play by the EU's rules, but the EU doesn't actually have that many rules that apply to Twitter compared to, you know, what you are required to do to get a broadcasting license. Um, Twitter can be passed around from billionaire to billionaire, basically on a whim. And that's, that's weird. And I don't think that will continue forever.
1: Yeah, because if I think about Twitter now, even Facebook now, without Musk owning it yet, I mean, it's kind of a terrible service. Like, it's owned by, by Wall Street, it leads to all this abuse and chaos, and it makes me think that we're about 20 years into this like human experiment with, with online social networks. I wonder if the problem here is somehow bigger than Musk, and actually with these networks themselves.
0: You know, I actually agree. I think it's easy to look at Musk buying Twitter and to say things like, let's all go to Mastodon, a decentralized social network that that is built up from the ground so that it can't be owned by any one billionaire. But I don't think it solves the more inherent problem that that our, our tiny human minds cannot comprehend being part of a community of 330 million people. That we are built to know and engage with you know, maybe hundreds of people, and that really—that really kind of gets at what I think is just a, an inherent problem with civilization-wide social networking. And it's hard because these social networks have been so transformative for so many people. The old way of doing things is not better. I don't think anyone wants to or could. Put the genie back in the bottle of mass participation in democratic speech, of the ability of undervoiced communities to reach out to each other around the world. But I do think that there's a future where we also don't have this mind-bending attempt to create one global real-time conversation that, that just ruins as many lives as it saves.
1: Alex Hearn, thank you very much.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: That was Alex Hearn, The Guardian's UK technology editor. Thanks so much to him. Before we go, tune into Politics Weekly US this week to hear Jonathan Friedland's interview with the author and filmmaker John Ronson on the uh, timely fall of Alex Jones and the Infowars conspiracy website and radio show that filed for bankruptcy a couple of weeks ago. It's a really great conversation that's out today. It's Politics Weekly UK, and you can subscribe wherever you get this podcast. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Tom Glasser and Alex Atak. Sound designs by Rudy Zagadlo. Executive producers are Maithly Rao and Phil Maynard. We're back on Monday.
0: This is the Guardian.